This episode of AVXL is recorded on October 1st, 2020. We're going to talk about Nanorod LEDs, LG's updates for C9 OLEDs and NVIDIA 30 series GPUs, group watching The Mandalorian, Roku turns 9 and gets a serious HDR upgrade, Soundbar picks more thoughts on the LS50 meta, and the joy of finding ear pads for aging headphones. Don't forget, email ask at avxl.com if you've got a question for us. Testing, one, two, three. All right. I'm not blowing anything out. Ignorant weasels chewing on your soul. Ignorant weasels. Do you have speed? Yeah. Welcome to AVXL, your guide to the best in home video and audio gear, no matter what your budget is. I'm Patrick Norton. Hey, I am Robert Heron. And uh, we are recording. <laughs> we are. In, once again, smoke-filled California, on my end at least. It is raining ash yet again. <laughs> it is becoming fall here in St. Louis, Missouri. And... Uh, I'm okay with that. I will be sucking down uh, the ash through my beloved stashed N95 masks because I got to head to Cali next week. So do me a favor, Rob. Get those fires put out before I get there on Tuesday or Wednesday. I'm positive. <laughs> I think things will improve before your arrival. I, I really feel good about this one. I appreciate that. You know, if I can bring clear air to the residents of California, I'm there for it. It's killing my voice. Oof. Well, minor inconvenience <laughs> you sound like you've but... been at ces you sound like you've spent a weekend in las vegas licking doorknobs you know um <laughs> yeah i miss those days <laughs> <laughs> don't we all oh my goodness speaking of days of wonder and awe uh, LG's got updates for the C9 OLEDs. Working with the new uh, 30 series RTX cards from NVIDIA, are we talking about legit 4K 120 hertz input for the gamers? Oh, yeah. There were some initial, you could say, uh, birthing problems with the 30 <laughs> series cards and their HDMI 2.1 ports. I believe those are the first cards ever to have an HDMI 2.1 port in them. Connecting them to the, the 4K TVs of this year and last year, which support things like G-Sync, PC-grade color, where you can think of it as RGB or 444 chroma. There were some quirks when you're dealing with 4K up to 120 hertz input with that display and those new graphics cards. LG had to release a firmware update, which they have pushed suggesting that only if you need it, please request it, and they will give that file to you for installation. To the best of my ability, it has not been pushed via the web to everyone's sets in general yet. If you are in that edge case group of having the latest and greatest in LG OLEDs and NVIDIA 30 series graphics cards, then there are fixes available to squash some of those small bugs which were out there. And speaking of which, I noticed that NVIDIA had brand new drivers for the 30 series cards as well that popped up, I believe, yesterday, which also aimed to calm some of the quirks that were uh, noticed in some of the earlier drivers, at least, and performance. <laughs> it's all brand new stuff. One thing I haven't seen, though, this LG OLED update is so far only available on the C9. I assume the C10 fix is coming soon and will be pushed appropriately. They may be waiting for that. They verify what the C9 is doing, and it's going to be a pretty similar fix for the C10. That may end up being pushed out through the web and requiring no separate file updates. It's a problem, but at least you're dealing with some really good hardware in terms of making it all work right. And as of today, it should be working much better. It's always nice when things work better. Yeah. 
While we're talking about maximizing your visual experience, let us discuss NanoRod LEDs. That's the next-gen LG OLED technology. I just want to say NanoRod LEDs. NanoRod. It's like saying Nimrod. Exactly. Based on gallium arsenide technology, which I want to say in a Mr. Burns voice in the worst possible way. Gallium arsenide. (laughs) We'll be using gallium arsenide technology. The sweet technology, actually, that is used in many efficient CPU applications that are out there. Nanorod LEDs, you can think of them as the 3D cousin of the traditional LED we use today in terms of how it's built up. These are uh, physically small microscopic rods that come out Mm -hmm. of the substrate. That 3D shape is actually terrific for thermal management, making them able to be brighter and to be able to resist the stresses that are associated with that that causes the materials themselves to fail. Now, if you can add in some quantum dot goodness, you have something what they affectionately term as the QNED, the quantum dot nanorod LED. Oh, (laughs) that just rolls right off the tongue. Hey, and a quick shout out to Mr. (laughs) Vincent Tio for throwing down a video earlier today about this very subject that got me digging into this a little bit. He brought up the interesting fact that LG has actually applied for this trademark of the QNED term when up to this point, most folks would associate this kind of technology with something Samsung was working on and has apparently demonstrated in private meetings. The main benefit for, besides the thermal management of a nanorod style LED, is that it is also capable of producing a better, a more rich white light source without Mm. the need of the current phosphor enhancements that are used with today's blue or ultraviolet LEDs. In the end, what this could represent is a brand new backlighting system for the current OLED TVs that LG is producing, this may lead them to using this LED style structure that can be very efficient, super bright, inorganic with the quantum dot enhancements, then maybe they'll be able to lose the color filter that's currently used with their current white OLED structure and build for their TV designs. This is just going to make it interesting in the next couple of years to see how these next gen OLED technologies or OLED style displays are going to come to market in competition with maybe at some point just a pure nano rod screen that just could simply be built out to scale. But I don't think that's quite the deal at this point. I think this is also a material too that can be applied in terms of the nano rod LEDs to surfaces that have been pre-prepared in a careful way. And it makes it easy in terms of getting the deposition of these materials proper and aligned just so. I'll have to do a little bit more reading before I go down that rabbit hole. Here is yet another way of doing an OLED with an even better performance benchmark in terms of brightness and color. And I'm looking forward to seeing any of these potential display technologies in, a, in an upcoming prototype at some point. Yeah. It seems weird that Samsung is known for that QNED slogan, but LG has the trademark for it. The relationship between those two companies is utterly fascinating. They love each other. <laughs> the siblings. The siblings. Shifting gears, Disney Plus has added Group Watch. Essentially, you can sync uh, Disney Plus viewing. You look for the Group Watch icon. It's like a little circle with some figures inside. I think three figures inside. Up to seven people can sync across their web, mobile, connected TV, smart TV viewing uh, simultaneously at the same time, synchronized. Uh, of course, there are emojis, so you can emote all over everyone's screens, which will be huge with the kids, as they say. 
Everybody, of course, needs to have their own account. It's not like you can share this with a bunch of your friends who do not have Disney+. Plus. I'm tempted to do a Cousins Watch Movies Night uh, for the pandemic joy of it. Mostly, though, I want to be able to watch The Mandalorian synced with other people for my own personal amusement. This joins the Netflix Party Browser plugin, which I did not know about, uh, and uh, Watch Party on Amazon Prime Video, which I also did not know about, because apparently I just like to sit in the dark and watch movies without being interrupted by emojis. You but, and me both. Uh, for the children... I'll I'll try something new, but uh, I just That's want to cool. thank Henry Saint uh, Ledger over at Tech Radar, and uh, any of a number of other authors who are writing about uh, Group Watch and pointed out that there is a Netflix Party Browser plugin and uh, Watch Party, of course, is on Amazon Prime Video. Awesome. I started reading something on Reddit, and several hours later at four in the morning, uh, pushed the dog off my side of the bed where she had blissfully fallen asleep, dreaming husky thoughts of salmon and cold weather, passed out um, with several hundred links open on my desktop, a really disturbing kind of sense of, of the political mood here in the United States, and a crazy link to an ad, which I believe is from a German consumer of a Samsung TV where the ad covers probably 40% of the screen. The, oh, my the goodness. Reddit, uh, yeah, well, it's under the uh, blank hole design section of Reddit, which is also a glorious part of the universe that you can really get lost in. Um, <laughs> but it, it's titled, apparently spending $2,500 on a Samsung TV doesn't create them enough revenue. They need to place an ad to cover 50% of the screen. Now, you know, I would say it's a little less than 50% of the screen. I would also point out that something we've discussed in various shows we've done over the years is that there's not a lot of money being made at any television manufacturer. In fact, they tend to be running uh, in the red pretty much all of the time. So they're always looking for additional sources of revenue. Some of them are more terrifying than others, especially if you believe in privacy. We watch everything. Let's not get into that discussion because then I'll just want to claw my eyeballs out and never watch television again for at least several hours. And there's a show I want to watch with the boys later on. <laughs> but oh, this this wow. ad is kind of crazy. To their credit, probably the bottom quarter of the ad is actually navigation for you know Netflix, YouTube, Amazon, Prime Video. And then the ad sticks up above that. The irony, of course, is that there's a spot to click on the ad for Netto, which is actually bigger than any of the icons for the various uh, functions in the TV. It's just one more reason I'm really happy about owning a Roku box <laughs> and an Apple TV box, because while they have their exciting and irritating moments, they're at least not vomiting ads on my screen while I'm moving around from Netflix to something else. Not yet, anyway. Just saying. And I hope they keep it that way. But you're right, though. All TV manufacturers are on that razor's edge of profitability. And the money is in your data in terms of your viewing or the services you use, or in this case, uh, getting your eyes to look at that ad, which hopefully doesn't take much to remove. As long as nothing like that pops up in the middle of your movie or something like oh. that, where you're on a device and you haven't changed the input or anything, you're just using it as a raw display. Day it starts popping up in that kind of environment, then I'll I'll really have a problem. <laughs> Even as if that well TV is free. <laughs> oh, we have a free TV for you. <laughs> well, that sounds a lot like Amazon Fire TV, to be perfectly honest with you. <laughs> Ouch. Well, you know, it is what it is. Uh, Roku. 
I guess, how old is Roku at this point? Because I was laughing because I think I said it turns 9, but it's actually version 9.4, OS 9.4. They may be 10, 15 years old at this point. Uh, AirPlay 2 and HomeKit have been added, a live TV channel guide, some, (laughs) quote, helpful hints about using the Roku voice commands. What else is going on with Roku? My favorite thing, I mean, sure, everyone who currently has either the Roku TV, where it's just simply built into the TV you have, or you're using one of their streaming products separate, that 9.4 software update is available, and it brings the features you mentioned, performance enhancements and some updated themes and things like that. What really took my attention was the fact they announced finally a new Roku Ultra that goes on sale. Now you can pre-order it, it will ship mid-October, and it will feature, ta-da, Dolby Vision and Dolby Atmos support, which is something that has been missing on their nice. standalone streamers for quite a while, uh, as in forever. The TVs had <laughs> Dolby Vision, Dolby Atmos built in for whatever reason, but the standalone streaming products had not. Come mid-October, you'll be able to get your hands on one for 100 bucks, and that is on my short list. One thing I wanted to bring up about all streaming products I look at, if there mm-hmm. is a 1080p version of it and a 4k version always buy the 4k version even if you don't have a 4k tv it will generally provide a more seamless experience you'll have a a faster stronger processor built into the device maybe better networking features too but it's the performance alone over time especially with software updates and being able to have a product that doesn't feel old after a couple of years is key I would avoid, in general, 1080p products at this point and only try to go for something that is truly a a 4K device. And keep an eye out for what level of HDR it actually supports. For the TVs that need it. I am just stoked that Dolby Vision and Dolby Atmos will be available through the Roku because that will play quite nicely with my TV that supports those things and my audio system. And I'm looking forward to uh, being a more regular Roku user, quote unquote. I appreciate it. Nothing wrong with being more regular. By the way, Roku founded in 2002 by Anthony Wood, who uh, had founded Replay TV, the DVR company uh, that kind of lost the knife fight with TiVo a thousand years ago. He spent some time at Netflix, says Wikipedia, and then uh, started Roku and, of course, first started working with Netflix on Project Griffin and... Reed Hastings decided it could be problematic for their ability to get Netflix on various and sundry devices, killed the project, and the first Roku launched in May 2008, the DVP-N1000. Oh, yeah. Like the cigarette ads used to say, you've come a long way, baby. Which is probably the understatement of the day. In a job a long time ago in a galaxy far away, I remember attending some press event they had related to some product and it was in san francisco i believe i believe that was probably some sort of i I gotta look that up i can't remember what the actual if it was even hardware i think it was just a software thing and oh anyway you'll figure it out so i'm not entirely sure i spoke coherently about uh kef's new ls50 meta and the ls50 wireless 2 uh last week those are the uh, updates i'm going to affectionately call it the hall of fame ls50 LS50 came out uh, for Kef's, I want to say, 50th anniversary, and it's a phenomenal speaker. The Meta and Wireless 2 are now using the 12th generation of the UniQ or Unique driver. That's their concentric tweeter in the center of the midwoofer. They're talking about reduced coloration and less distortion with this new driver, and I mentioned 
the mat or the mat driver away, uh, the metamaterial absorption technology. My description holds true. It looks like one of those little mazes, you know, a little ball bearing and you tip the maze to guide the, the ball bearing through the maze. And there's all these channels. They essentially absorb and disperse sound. And the whole point of that is to keep sound from radiating inside the cabinet and then like back out through the driver. So they have some stats, uh, which are stats and marketing, but metamaterial absorption technology, MAT, is a highly complex maze-like structure that absorbs 99% of the unwanted sound from the rear of the driver, eliminating the resulting distortion. So they're talking about that being compared to, say, 60% uh, on the previous generation uh, vented tweeter. I also have no idea exactly what plus 40% frequency response smoothness will sound like, but I'm, I'm assuming that's going to be a reduction in the variation off that mythical flat line of frequency response, which there's nothing wrong with that. A lot of comments from folks that have heard them and, uh, you know, and I, I love reading what hi-fi, but they've never found a British product they couldn't give five stars to. Um, <laughs> but not just what hi-fi, but pretty much everybody who's heard them so far are talking about the treble being really amazing, i.e. the high end of the audio spectrum, uh, more precise, more clear, less congested, and all that kind of jibes with the idea of reducing the amount of... Uh, essentially reflections or, or you, you reduce the radiation out of the back of the cabinet or out of the back of the driver inside of the cabinet and less stuff hits the driver and you get a cleaner signal. It's like when you put a rug down to reduce that first order reflection on the floor between uh, you and your speaker. Nice. A new motor design uh, that takes the THD from 0.1% to 0.07%, which is great, but I can't imagine that difference is actually audible. Uh, hopefully it's a bit, you know, more powerful. Mostly though, I think the, the big change in this is the mat technology and, and what that does for the sound. Uh, the curved baffle and the offset port look pretty much exactly the same. Uh, the wireless two gets mat, uh, a new 100 watt AB amplifier for the tweeters and the upgraded kind of wireless interconnect uh, that they introduced at the LSX, the smaller wireless speakers. But this will actually do 24-bit 96 kilohertz. Uh, it'll do DSD-256 and MQA if you're into those file formats. I'm not. Uh, it will apparently downsample 24-bit 384 kilohertz audio files to that 24-bit 96 kilohertz capability. I love, I think probably the coolest thing about the wireless too is that they added an HDMI eARC jack along with the coax and optical inputs on the back, which means this will be really easy to use a pair of these speakers with a television. And these would be a phenomenal set of uh, stereo speakers for a television. These are incredible speakers. That would be a sweet, sweet setup. <laughs> yeah, they Ain't really wrong are. with that. <laughs> No, not at all. You know, it's it's fifteen hundred bucks for the Meta. It's twenty five hundred for the wireless too. So they're a bit spendier than their predecessors were or are, since they're still in the channel right now. Uh, they're just starting. I think. I think these are on a you know a container ship <laughs> on their way from wherever they were manufactured right now. When you look at this, you think twenty five hundred dollars for wireless speakers? That's ridiculous. Well. You know, okay, sure, compared to a couple of Sonos speakers, it's ridiculous, but these are much more powerful, much more detailed. You know, most importantly, you when you're looking at these, you're talking about, you know, a $1,500 speaker plus a DAC plus an amplifier, uh, you know, the ability to stream to them from various and sundry systems in your house. And that uh, eARC input, if you put them uh, around a, a television because you're just not up for the whole uh, surround sound speaker experience, you know, think of this as that $2,500 wireless, too, is replacing a whole stack of equipment and it becomes a little more reasonable, especially when you look right. at the kind of stuff people usually pair 
with a set of thousand or fifteen hundred dollar speakers. I am really curious to hear these. Uh, I also want to point out that there's going to be some great deals on used LS50s <laughs> later this year when these you start know, shipping in volume. So. I can't really even decide which color I would want. If I were getting, say, a pair of uh, 50 right. Metas, oh, they're just gorgeous. A well-designed speaker. They're aesthetically pleasing along with acoustically delightful. Mm. Uh, well, we assume. I can't imagine they screwed up the design. Uh, LS50 is one of my favorite speakers. I'd like five of those for a 5-1 setup. <laughs> that would be really cool looking. <laughs> so nice. That would be really cool looking. And a couple of subwoofers. Um, yep. The nice thing about that uh, that uh, LS50 Wireless 2 is like the LS50 Wireless. It has a subwoofer output. These are pretty rocking without a subwoofer. But if you plug a subwoofer into them, it really makes things amazing so much functionality within a setup like that having it all yeah. built in very simple mm. i would like them to work some more on the app especially for the lsx speakers i'm using as as desktop monitors right now but oh, i also generally just stream to them directly uh, i also connected them to my desktop via an optical cable which solved a whole bunch of issues for me in, in making things easy to uh play audio on uh thing to remember about those ls50s 85 db efficient um impedance drops below four ohm and the three point something range so a healthy amp is a good thing to pair with them and i don't think i talked about these earlier this year um do you remember when i reviewed the uh the odyssey mobius gaming headset a while back like a year a ago. long while back yeah um at least so odyssey is uh releasing the Penrose, I guess they announced this back in, in July, right? The wireless planar magnetic headset. It's kind of a, a more pure gaming headset. I think it's a really good product for Odyssey. So they're taking the planar magnetic, that 100 millimeter planar magnetic driver with the amplifiers and the DAC and all that good stuff in this wireless headset. They're getting rid of the distracting 3D audio head tracking and to me, the fairly unusable room emulation stuff. They're leaving you kind of the good audio stuff. You get the Penrose, right? That is way more appealing to me. 2.4 gigahertz connection via USB dongle, uh, Bluetooth 5.0, uh, SBC and AAC. I wish it had Aptex, but you know, I wish a lot of things. Detachable mic, which I believe was designed for them by Shure. And uh, quote, built-in filters reduced up to 20 dB of background noise on that microphone. Hopefully they've tuned that up some because some of the early uh, Mobius experiences that I had were a little frustrating with the mic, but I think they've done a bunch of work on this and it should sound pretty fantastic. The Bluetooth connection apparently can run simultaneously to the wireless USB connection. So you can be gaming on a console and using your Discord uh, over Bluetooth, they tell me. Uh, there's basically the Penrose for the PS4, PS5, Windows, and Mac, and then the Penrose X for Xbox One, uh, the Xbox X and Windows. It's going to be $250 now, $299 later, shipping in mid-October. I really want to hear the mic in action. Uh, if it's the same drivers in the Mobius, and I, I believe they are, they should sound fantastic. And uh, you can pre-order those up at... Uh, Aussie.com, A-U-D-E-Z-E.com, and search for Penrose. Nice. Another announcement on the audio side of things is uh, TCL has a bunch of new sound bars. I'm curious to hear them, especially the, the $299 Alto 9 Plus. Quote, the first sound bar with TCL's innovative Raydans technology with features uniquely angled speakers that beam sound waves toward reflector units to create an incredibly immersive ultra-wide soundstage, which... Uh, you know, could sound amazing, could sound awful. We won't know until we actually get our earballs on them. Uh, the lineup, the new lineup uh, starts with the Alto 3, which they say is ideal 
for 32-inch TVs and larger. That's uh, $59 for the Alto 3. Again, curious to hear these. Haven't heard them yet. If they can compete with Vizio, that's good for consumers. If they can't, stick with Vizio. <laughs> They're doing a lot, really a lot of good work. Uh, Vizio is on the soundbar front. Uh, so is Yamaha. Which brings us to our first viewer question. Matthew, a.k.a. Grissom on the Run, tweets at Robert Heron. Hi, Robert. I'm looking for a soundbar under $300. Will you point me to an episode that you and at Patrick Norton did discussing this? Thanks in advance. You guys have always been the best. Well, thank you, Matthew. Yeah. Speaking of soundbars. <laughs> well, it's out of budget, but for $400, you could have something like the Sonos Beam, a fantastic sounding soundbar that is just about ideal for any TV, say, 55 inches or smaller. It also includes their wonderful app in addition to simple setup and updates, and it will support all of your favorite AI assistants out there. However, I have found that Vizio and Yamaha both provide some very compelling options for very good prices, well within the budget. Wirecutter likes the Yamaha YAS209. That's a $350 soundbar subwoofer combo with Alexa. And Yamaha has their YAS-109, which doesn't include a sub, and it costs about 200 bucks. Yeah. If you're interested, the YAS-207BL, if you can find it, has a much wider soundbar, which makes for usually a better experience with the separation, and it also adds the subwoofer. Generally, I do prefer a soundbar that at least comes close to matching the width of the TV, if possible. I don't want to have those too far out of whack. I don't want a really <laughs> tiny soundbar with a really giant TV and vice versa. Or vice versa. Something to keep in mind when you're shopping on the fly for something like a soundbar is less is probably more. That really top-rated Vizio soundbar sub wireless real channel combo, that sells for about $1,000. And $300 to try to do a subwoofer and wireless rear satellites is going to compromise something somewhere, probably in a really unpleasant auditory kind of way. But $300 for a, you know, a healthy size soundbar or a soundbar and sub should get you a better quality of speaker and amplifier and enclosure construction that'll all kind of work together to give you a better experience. I also got to say, you know, we were talking about those LS50 wireless uh, speakers earlier, obviously not in the $300 range, but if you can get an inexpensive, an inexpensive amp and a couple of stereo speakers, uh, you would be shocked at how good that can sound for TV listening. Is it a, you know, 7.2.4 Atmos experience? Absolutely not. Uh, is it a huge step up from the speakers in your TV? Absolutely. And, you know, if Craigslist is functional in your area, it might not be a bad idea to, to nose around and see what's available used. Maybe less on the sound bar, more on the speaker side, but sometimes you can pick up some really fantastic deals. And uh, that, that always makes your, point. your dollar spread a little bit farther. Exactly. A lot of good uh, soundbar stuff coming out later this winter that hopefully we'll get a chance to test. And uh, availability and that's going to be interesting since I think in a lot of cases, stuff is being thrown at the channel as fast as it arrives from uh, the manufacturer. So they may not need to have a lot of testing or may not want a lot of testing. <laughs> I think every product we mentioned just recently, any one of those would be a great option. Yeah. And if you want to break the budget, there are amazing options out there ready to go. There are. Oh, my goodness. Uh, Wheels sent us a great tweet. Uh, one that's kind of personal for me. Uh, Julian's been a regular listener for a long time. He says, any idea where I can find replacement ear pads for a pair of original Nighthawks? 
as somebody who owns a couple pair of Nighthawks and is a huge fan of the Nighthawks um, and has nearly been punched in the face because I, I find the Nighthawks to be a fantastic listening experience. The person in question who was white knuckling the table and looking at me with abject horror uh, felt that they were uh, because they're incredibly natural sounding. They don't have a lot of the sort of overdone treble or high end sparkle of a lot of uh, audiophile headphones. But I'm a fan. I'm a big fan. Something to remember when you're when you're looking at headphones is that ear pads are a consumable over time. Some fall apart more than others. I'm probably on my third pair of ear pads for my 7506s. I wore out a pair. I basically wore the covering off the first uh, pair of ear pads on the first AudioQuest Nighthawks I bought. I've destroyed the ear pads on some pretty solid biodynamic headphones because I listened to them for like five or six years with the same set of ear pads. Some brands, uh, especially headphone-centric brands, Sennheiser, Biodynamics, Fostex, uh, Dan Clark Audio, a.k.a. Mr. Speakers, Odyssey, um, they all sell earbuds. They have a very robust aftermarket. Uh, Dakoni uh, makes some really nice earbuds earbuds, uh, ear pads. They also make tips for earbuds. If you're talking about one-off releases, obscure brands or companies that sort of flared up and disappeared, uh, I, I have the words rot row typed down in the script. So one thing to think about, if you fall in love with some headphones or earbuds, uh, buy extra tips or earbuds if you can, at least one extra pair. Covers are commonly used in hearing protection earmuffs, especially outdoors. Uh, I've seen some people use them with, with uh, headphones. Essentially, you find the thinnest, sheerest fabric you can find and you make a little sort of cover for the headphones. Um, they, sh you know, this may, Do it. you know, I can see, I can feel people cringing in the distance um, all over the world right now, because in theory, right, that fabric could impact the uh, audio experience, especially at the high end. I got that. But, you know, if you're listening for eight or 12 hours a day, you're probably not doing super intense listening and, you know, saving some life in the ear pads may be worth uh, a little reduction in treble. I also may be insane. I will also go on the record that saying for a lot of ear pads, people have reactions to ear pads that I would associate with changing the driver in the headphone and the entire headphone design. You know, I will also say that, yes, you can do some basic tuning of headphones by the modification or changing of ear pads. I just don't know in many cases if it is dramatic, as a lot of the descriptions would describe. I think the changes are probably more subtle than you would think. One of the things you can do um, is you can try to recover your existing ear pads with some sort of new fabric. And this is if you can't buy ear pads, if they no longer make them. Right. Myself, I, you can find similarly sized headphones and, you know, make those pad fits or modify the pads or, or glue them onto the connection, whatever sort of Lego-ish device that plugs the ear pad into your headphones. It's a little more problematic with those Nighthawks because the ear pad is not round or an oval. It is actually shaped like your ear. That's somewhat less common. In other cases, you can actually try fitting ear pads from other headphones. And you can do that for tuning. You can do it for fun. You can do it to try to make them more comfortable. You can do it because the original ones fell apart. But again, that's that pin A shape of the uh, Cups of the Nighthawks is pretty hard to match. On the upside, the snap-in plastic part that connects the Nighthawks ear pads to the Nighthawks is removable from the ear pads. You could play around with ways of attaching that to other ear pads uh, if you wanted to get your DIY on. On the upside, I reached out to uh, to AudioQuest and they do have few remaining ear pads in stock. So they're pretty much end of life to the Nighthawks. And they're gone. Julian has reached out. <laughs>
<laughs> I was given an email address for Julian to reach out, uh, info at uh, audioquest.com, to try to find some pairs for sale. I'll probably email that address myself to try to grab a couple pair, because uh, again, I'm a huge fan, and I'll probably be wearing these for years and years into the future. TLDR, earpads are consumables. They will wear out over time, especially if you have headphones on eight hours a day, five, six, seven, eight days a week. Buy an extra pair if you can, especially with smaller companies. Not as big a deal. You know, I've, I've got... Uh, you know, the Sennheiser headset I use for recording right now, I'm on my second, probably my second set of ear pads with this, but they also still make all those ear pads because a ton of these went into commercial broadcast and commercial broadcasters get really pissy when you can't get replacement parts. If the cat chews the microphone off this headset, I'm in trouble, but ear pads I can get. Excellent. By the way, one last thought I had on here. There are some talented folks with sewing machines and a lot of dry cleaners all over the United States. Find one that likes a challenge and see if they can sew a cover for your ear pad. Because uh, a lot of times, you know, if the foam hasn't disintegrated and you just worn out the cover, uh, you can get creative with that. I was thinking of using some nice fuzzy microfiber cloths for comfort alone. <laughs> I've seen some, there's a company that I can't remember their name. They do these crazy, um, fluffy. no guarantees on audio improvement, <laughs> but I can't hear the symbols. It'll look different. <laughs> Where did the hi-hat go? I can't hear the hi-hat. All else fails. Well, I wear what... my hoodie. Just put my headphones on over the hoodie. <laughs> I will say that has a dramatic and unpleasant effect to the audio in my experience. Sometimes for comfort, though. You know, when it gets cold enough, you'll do incredibly dumb things. That's all I'm going to say. True. Uh, <laughs> you know, yeah. Uh, I just want to, I, I was laughing. Uh, space is at a premium. We have kind of a, a cottagey size house here. When I was putting together the boys' bedrooms, I wanted them to have a Sonos speaker in each of their bedrooms because they'd, they'd had one before and i found those ikea symphonisk speaker lamps and i was a little nervous about that i found them in the uh, as is section of my local ikea here in st louis one i'm shocked at how good they sound they're not a eighteen thousand dollar pair of speakers and all the electronics in the world but for under 200 bucks i get a Sonos speaker and a lamp that sounds way better than it has any right to because it's a you know speaker built into a lamp <laughs> it looks but, nice uh, too it does look nice it is aesthetically pleasing led does it dim that's a mylan question it goes on and it goes off there we go and it has it a volume has, knob <laughs> yeah and a pause button there we it go. has volume buttons uh you, you know you can click the volume up click the volume down pause the thing you're listening to it does not have uh various brightnesses and i would not put a dimmer switch on it because you know you're going to dim right. the voltage running into the speaker <laughs> which is bad not good and i didn't have to worry about sonos ones getting shoved off the shelf because apparently all children respect lamps i knock on wood <laughs> Although they sometimes forget that that's an expensive piece of electronics they, they listen to uh, their favorite music on. I also Oopsie will admit to recently uh, introducing uh, <laughs> my eight-year-old to Primus, who has been sailing the seas of cheese with me, which has uh, been hysterical to watch, but much more Good socially album. acceptable than, uh, than the Rage Against Machine introduction to his older brother at age five, <laughs> which... Horrified someone at a traffic light. <laughs> Pretty sure I saw Primus during that tour for that album. Oh, my goodness. 
Yeah, there's a couple tracks we Good skip times. over because I'm not that bad a parent. But Good times. It's an interesting album to listen to. I don't know. I enjoy it. There's some good stuff on there. There's like a giant best of soundtrack, which there are for everything. A couple things to talk about next week. One is uh, some online sources of new music. I've noticing a lot of artists are selling um, high quality files directly, which is great because if you're looking at spending, if you can actually find a used CD or album that's selling for unnerving amounts on eBay or Amazon or Discogs or wherever you're going. Uh, it's kind of amazing that a lot of these people are selling files directly off of some decent services. I was going to talk about Amazon HD, which is a very weird application, but potentially a source of fantastic high quality music, but they've done a lot of odd things. Um, and I'll talk about that a little bit next week. Spotify premium sounds great. I really wish they'd do sort of a, a lossless version of that. I will also say for getting introduced to new music, Spotify is probably the best of all the music services uh, by leaps and bounds and miles and the width of, you know, Montana. Um, cool. I, 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 well, I had one of those moments where they, they do a collection every week just for you uh, of, of music they think they'll like. And I was just, you know, they call it the Discover Weekly. And once again, I was just amazed at how, you know, like, I've never heard this. This is great. Who is this? And that's just uh, an amazing feeling with music. And uh, they are. I just wanted to share that before I go. <laughs> they are one of the masters of music discovery in the modern age, it seems. Uh, everyone I know who listens yeah. to music on a regular basis is doing it through that service or one of the handfuls of others, too. Well, we'll talk about it more. And yep. uh, we want to talk about what you want us to talk about, which means we need you to contact us. If you're a patron, patreon.com slash AVXL, uh, and we thank you if you are. We appreciate that. Uh, that means you contribute a, a few dollars a month, and you get the opportunity to hang out with us. You get the opportunity to... Uh, uh, you know, contact us directly through Patreon, but most importantly, uh, you help support us to keep making the show, which we greatly appreciate. We know times are hard for a lot of people. We want to thank everybody who contributes at patreon.com slash AVXL. Um, but, uh, email us, ask at AVXL.com because we're kind of curious what you are interested in, what's exciting. Uh, the other thing I'll be probably talking about next week is the Atmos installation, uh, and the joys of stapling speakers to your ceiling, uh, which is easy uh, in an unfinished basement, but not so easy uh, if you have an apartment or a finished ceiling. But um, Atmos is fascinating, and uh, we'll talk about that a little bit more next so week. So much fun to set up. So much fun. So Just much cable. Don't cross the <laughs> wires. Yeah. That's 99% of the problems I've encountered have just been related to, oh, this, this set of speaker wires is backwards or... This isn't the speaker you thought it was. Or <laughs> it's all about the label maker. Man. Yes, yes. <laughs> center, center, left front, left front, right front. You can mock me, but when my wires are wired correctly, and I am surrounded by object, well. We'll leave sound objects out of this conversation for now. Do us a favor, email us, ask at avxl.com. Support us, patreon.com slash avxl. And uh, keep listening. Thank you so much. I'm Patrick Norton. Hey, I am Robert Heron. We'll catch you next week on AVXL. <laughs>